Hey, hey, Tony Gaskins here, popping in for another episode. Sorry about that. I forgot I needed to close my wife's closet door. So I record these in the closet so it's a little more compact than my office with a lot of air and space in there and just sound being off. But continuing my story, I know I said on the last one it was a lot of the same, but what I realized is I was also running out of time. So I just wanted to add this because I know people were, Tony, I, Tony, I, I want to hear the rest of it. Like, that was, you know, that was then. Like, what brought you up to today? So go ahead and, you know, could you, could, would you mind sharing the rest? And it, it'll be one person and that thing will keep me up at night. So I said, let me just go ahead and do this. I can't even remember where I left off at. But as I was talking to you about 2011 when my partner, he invested in, he invested in me because I didn't really have a business and I didn't have a lot going on. I had started one company in 2008, which was like a book publishing and author consulting and ghostwriting company. And then when he invested in 2011, it was March 8th, I think on my birthday, when we formed the LLC for that company. And it was March 13th that I left my job. And at that time, they had bumped me to $10 an hour. And so I think I got one check at $10 an hour. But other than that, for five years, you know, four years and like April, May, March, April, May, four years and 10 months, I hadn't made over $9.50 an hour. And so that was a grind. And then here it comes. Boom, $10 an hour. I was almost tempted to stay because I felt rich, $10 an hour. But when my partner did that, you know, he invested. I blew through that 35 real quick. But now working for myself, I was able to just, you know, produce. And he continued to help me out. And he helped me out over the years from 2011 all the way up until 2015. He was there for me, different projects, different ideas. He was there. And then he came and he um, he told me, hey, start a Facebook business page like Facebook allows you to have pages now. So start a page. And I was like, oh, man, another social media. My wife, um, she was telling me, like, yeah, you know, just start it. And then he told me, start a mailing list. So he was, you know, he's a studious type guy and reads a lot of publications online, online magazines and websites and business stuff. So all the latest trends that were happening in the world inside of, you know, my space where it could benefit me, he would send it to me. He would see all these different things from the sites like TechCrunch and, and Mashable. And he would send me about these new companies that I and new ideas I could implement into the business. And so that was like him kind of bringing his, you know, earning his 35%, so to speak. But even though he wasn't charging me 35%, like when I got paid, he didn't say, hey, give me 35% of everything you make. He honestly really was helping me. And I think he was more so helping me for the long run 
for like now to where now he gets a monthly check but in 2011 2012 you know up until like 2020 he never asked for a monthly check he didn't get a monthly check and so he was he was my what I call earth angel you know ram in the bush and I honestly believe that when you're working for God God is going to honor his word and he's going to make sure that your needs are met and that God is going to use somebody who is able like he's not going to have you be a burden so like my my friend you know in his help he he is more than able more than capable and and now it's finally paying off for him you know and it's it's paying dividends and and to show him where my heart is at you know i give you an example you know he's working on a project and it's like a you know they're raising funds well my wife and i committed to donate a quarter million dollars two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to a park that they're building and just to just to show you and also to show him like i'm not a freeloader like i didn't i didn't want a handout like you're gonna get and i told him you're gonna make millions of dollars off of me you know from me this this won't be in vain what what because when he did that he didn't really know god you know he's not like he was this religious holy roller speaking in tongues like he's in a financial position that his finances was answering his prayers solving his problems the bible says money answereth all things and it also says the love of money is the root of all evil but he doesn't love money but it's kind of like when we pray what are we praying for other than health that's one thing money can't buy is your health and but we praying hey lord can you help me with my car note my, my light bill my water bill um, to earn more money to be financially free well when you got money all of that stuff is answered from the money and so it was a situation to where you know he was helping me and at the same time it's a lot of people come and a lot of people use people you know like him and take advantage of people like him and i i couldn't always show him that i wasn't like everybody else and i didn't want to take advantage but now that i'm in a position to be a blessing i'm a blessing and will continue to to be so but god did that god did that because he came to me i didn't even know he was in that position because when he did that i was 27 i was 27 years old and he graduated two years after me so he graduated in the same class as Cherie. And so I didn't even know he was in a financial position. Like to me, that did not make sense. Like I didn't know that there was a such such a thing as a 25-year-old, 26-year-old being able to invest $35,000 cash and then to continue to be able to support. I didn't know that was a thing like that that blew my mind so i never even thought to go to him with a business proposal he came to me and so that let me know that was god answering my prayers because my prayers at that time was like lord help me get off this job help me get off this job like lord i i, I can i can go i can get to that next level lord help me get off this job and i remember in 2009 when i went on oprah I, you know after that i slipped up it went to my head and I was just kind of willy-nilly 
but then God got me together by the end of 2009 and 2010 I got back locked in so then by 2011 I knew that I was ready and I could be trusted with the mantle whatever you will call it with, with the calling with the purpose I could be trusted and so it still would be tests I still would be tempted it still would be stuff that would come but I could be trusted and I could you know carry my calling and that's what I started to do and I remember I got on Facebook based on my partner's request and I was posting first he started posting for me like just grabbing random backgrounds putting a quote on it posting it trying to like get it going but when I seen it I was like hey chill out let me do it because you're gonna mess up my name so let me do it you know he had a couple typos you know he had me do the mailing list the first email he sent out had a typo in it I said hold on let me do it let me do it so I do everything in my brand I do everything still to this day you know I just hired an assistant this year in 2021 I've been full-time since 2011 I just hired an assistant that does a little bit of stuff for me uh, in 2021 I'm really really hands-on so I started sending all my email blast out I started you know doing posting on my Facebook and I remember I think it was 2013 at the end of 2013 somehow my page went viral he told me it was one of my clients who was a reality TV star he said well from what I could see from the Facebook insights she posted you on her Facebook page her Facebook business page and since then your page has been getting a lot of traction and I was like that maybe that was it and so my page started growing and from the end of 2013 to the end of 2014 my page grew by 1 million people on Facebook so then and all this was was posting two picture quotes you know the background the colorful background or white background black background with a quote on it I would post two of those a day like noon and like 10 p.m. and then sometimes I, I worked up to like four a day like 10 a.m. 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., or like 10 a.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m. So two to four a day, and it just was going crazy. When I tell you like 20,000 shares when I would post to like 20, 25,000 likes, it was just insane. It was just, it was insane. My partner was blown away he was like what in the world is going on this is insane he's showing all his buddies he got me going to meetings meeting these guys who call themselves internet marketers and they're looking at my organic growth and they're like this is mind-boggling what in the world is going on and i didn't understand it either i really did not understand it because all i was posting was quotes and then i started posting videos and some of the videos went viral i remember one video I think Facebook took it down. One video got 10 million views. And it was like, my message was going so viral. And I remember speaking at to the top 100 one year. And one of the guys that works there, 
he came up to me. He said, man, let me let me show you my Facebook. I'm so tired of you. And he went to his Facebook and he started scrolling. And as he was scrolling through his friends, through his news feed, I saw my face like because I started putting like my face behind my quotes to uh, minimize the theft because my, my quotes were going viral. So they were all over the place. Like yesterday in a video on um, YouTube, I said that I have a quote that says you teach people how to treat you by what you stop, what you allow and what you reinforce. And somebody commented, Dr. Phil coined that phrase. No, Dr. Phil did not coin that phrase. And Dr. Phil, if you hear this, you're going to have to see me about my quote. I made that up from working in the group home because that's what they taught us in the group home. Ignore, stop, uh, ignore, redirect, reinforce, or stop, redirect, reinforce. Reinforce behaviors that you want to see repeated. Ignore behaviors that you want to see decreased. So that comes from behavioral science. I coined it into a phrase that said you teach people how to treat you by what you stop, what you allow, and what you reinforce. And what would happen is my quotes were going so viral that the producers and the managers or the assistants of like Steve Harvey, uh, Oprah, Dr. Phil, even down to the smaller shows like Ricky Lake, you know, um, the Tyra Banks, um, accounts, big accounts on Twitter like Rev Run, all of these people were using my quotes. And they didn't know that it belonged to me. I remember somebody sent me a video of Steve Harvey and he taught a like a mini sermon at the end of his show on lessons and blessings. Well, that came from me. And Steve Harvey's account followed me for years. And I tweeted one day that everything is a lesson or a blessing and or a blessing or a lesson. And like a little while later, I'm guessing somebody what what the producers do is they go online and they find this stuff. And if they could find like some ripe picking, like if they find somebody who is on it but doesn't have a big enough brand like doesn't have a tv show doesn't have like this you know to where pete the name is a household name they will use you for your content and they'll bump into you on accident or whatever and they will just pluck content from you and so that's what happened that's what started happening to me it was like my content was everywhere it was everywhere i remember i went and i spoke at um mega fest and when i spoke there i taught a a sermon called ceo of me and like a little while later like a year later or whenever td jakes produced a book called instincts and it was the exact same message that i taught at the mega fest and i remember somebody from his team reached out to me and said hey you know, we asking people, can they come on and, and do interviews on, on my show to talk about what the book did for them? And I said, well, brother, I really don't read books. I listen to books. I, I'm, I'm an audio person. So he said, you want me to send your audio CD? He sent it. And when he sent it, I popped it in. I popped in CD one and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, hold on. This is my exact message. And it and it 
you know, my dad always tell me, don't Tony, don't speak names. But, you know, in, in certain instances, it just is what it is. And sometimes I think sometimes people don't even know. I think some of these people don't even know because their producer or their assistant or their manager brought them the concept. But they don't realize that their manager or their assistant is stealing from offline. Because with the same thing happened with Steve Harvey's book, uh, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. He had the 90 day rule and he published in 2009. Well, my book was published in 2007. And then my brand started to build and grow. And I wrote about the three month rule in my book. And then in his book was the 90 day. And from his show with my marketing, what I used to do is I would write into the strawberry letter as a woman. And I did that three or four times with some juicy letters. But in the letter, I would name drop my book. And I remember getting calls from some of my people from home like, hey, man, they just mentioned your book on Steve Harvey Morning Show. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, they didn't because they ain't called me. I ain't talked to them about my book. But what it was, it was the letters that I had wrote and that had got read on there. And so when that came out, you know, the 90 day rule, and Steve essentially taught it the same way, but he related to like a 90-day probationary period on the job. And so I was like, okay, maybe just some minds think alike. But what now when Rev Run got caught, it was whoever was running his account, if it wasn't him, they tweeted my exact tweet. I had tweeted something that said, I'm just an umpire. I call it like I see it. And then they tweeted the exact thing. And so I responded to the account and said, hey, Rev Run, don't pull that Robert Green 48 Laws of Power crap on me. That's my original quote. And then whoever run the account tweeted, when you mess up, fess up, 821. <laughs> Not not eight twenty one. Why did I just say eight twenty one? <laughs> oh, because I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking at this. Um, and God bless you, uh, uh, Miss Lawanda. I don't know what this check is for, but I'm not gonna say your last name just in case one of your cousins asked you for some money. But I got a check in the mail from someone, and um, and then um, oh that other one, that's my, my royalty check. But I had, I, I'm sorry, I'm looking as I'm talking and I said this, I'm talking about 821. And then whoever runs the account, they wrote when you mess up, fess up. And then the next tweet was the exact same quote. I'm just an umpire. I call it like I see it. And they put a space and they put at Tony Gaskins. And then that got me a lot of followers. And now whoever runs P. Diddy account, that account, his account used to use a lot of my quotes, but at the end just would put TG <laughs> instead of at Tony Gaskin because it just was too big to stamp an unknown. And I literally was like no real name. I was nowhere near a household name. And it was somewhere around, you know, it had already happened. I think that was like 2010 or something when this site that I don't think exists anymore, it was called Black Web 2.0. They ranked the top 100 
black men on Twitter based on these measurements from these this other site. So there was these sites that was popping up like clout.com and these different sites and they would measure your Twitter and they would give you a grade based on how many retweets you got, how many followers you have, how many retweets you get. And so I remember like some like celebrities making a huge fuss about this because they had like a lot of followers and they would be tweeting and on this site when it was coming out they would have like an 81 which is like a b in school but i had a 93 and the top two accounts on twitter at that time was chris brown and justin bieber they were like number one and two neck and neck going back and forth for the amount of followers guess what their score was on this site clout.com 93 so the people who were like known for quotes like me their scores was like 81 from like 81 to 91 so i literally just based on the algorithm just the algorithm that they put in place my account was seen as powerful as justin bieber and chris brown but what happened is when the celebrities and their managers started complaining because this site was picking up steam and it was getting retweeted, people were sharing it, they changed the algorithm to factor in like celebrity and the amount of followers you got. Because it was a thing to where like, okay, if you got 100,000 followers and you get 1,000 retweets when you tweet something, that means you got 1% of your following retweeted you if you have 10,000 subscribers I mean followers but you tweet something and you get 800 retweets or you got 50,000 and you get 800 then 800 of 50,000 is a higher percentage than 1,000 of 100,000 so that's what was happening with me. Like it would be people who would have hundreds of thousands of followers, but they would get 400 retweets at, with hundreds of thousands of um, followers. I had at this time when they started doing the rankings like 50,000, but I would have tweets that would get 800 to 1,000 retweets. And so it, they were doing it like, based on the numbers at first just like based on how many followers you got and how many retweets so it was that viral and this is what happened and this was where i apologize to y'all because when you come from nothing when you're a person of color when you're a minority you don't feel at home in america you don't feel like you belong you don't feel like it's set up for you to win and so you're looking for any way out. And for so long, the only way out that we saw was like in the arts, like music or sports. So it's, you could be or or illegal credit card fraud. When that happened, check fraud, when checks was in, then credit cards, when credit cards come in, um, selling drugs and then rapping, singing, dancing or playing a sport like those were the ways for minorities like not many minorities were told hey you could be a doctor you could be a lawyer you could be an engineer some were 
but it was because just their lineage and how their parents or grandparents thought or where where they came into the knowledge that they could pursue some of those things but for me personally and a lot of people like me we just saw a few options and none of those were hey you could be a online quote-unquote celebrity you can be an influencer you can write books give live speeches ghostwrite books do one-on-one coaching sessions like we did not know that was a job i found out that i could do that live my purpose and earn a living so then a lot of other a lot of other young black men that were younger than me started literally copying just play for play my whole blueprint because when i was doing this when i started doing it and i'll be honest with you if i had somebody to look up to i didn't like i became an author in 2007 the closest thing to me where people was putting my name in the same sentence was in the relationship space with steve harvey but steve harvey did his relationship book in 2009 so i had already been out there on the grind for two years and i i'm not a pastor so people weren't lumping me in with like td jakes or you know nothing like that but because he was a pastor and an author but me i'm and he's a fully grown man like me i was like a kid like i was 25 when i got on twitter 26 when i started to go viral and so people were looking at it like who was this kid dropping jewels like sharing wisdom and so what happened is other people young black men who could write poetry because that's where i was that's why i succeeded on twitter is because i was a poet before so i just took life wisdom and i put it in like a poetic form and called it a quote and it was so retweetable because it was written in a catchy way so it looked good on a timeline it sounded poetic it read poetic i mean and so people wanted that type of content on their timeline because they would see that when they retweet this their audience gets more engaged than when they post what they've ate for breakfast so that made my content like other people's content so a lot of people would steal it a lot of people just copy the quote and just use it but there would be a lot that would not steal it because they weren't necessarily trying to build a brand they just wanted to feed their audience with some good content and so that is really what started to build up and it was twitter then i went to facebook it was twitter then i got on instagram i not instagram youtube in 2011 but i didn't really use it too much once a month maybe and then 2012 i got on facebook business page and then 2014 i got on instagram and that kind of completed the cipher you know linkedin came in there but i don't really use linkedin and snapchat came in there i don't really use snapchat anymore um vine was there that's not my style you know i never got on vine and now tiktok is there i'm not on tiktok that's not my style because I'm, I'm actually a goon you know now i'm just a goon for the lord and what i mean is i'm not a social media type person i do not like social media 
And the Lord is not letting me sell one of my tech companies right now for 50 million because the Lord knows as uh, although I'm called to helping people, the Lord knows if I sold something for 50 million right now, y'all probably would not hear from me. I probably would just I would fall off the map and I would just be all about my family all day long, just about my family. Like I would not be putting up with the problems of the world because it's hard doing the work that I do because you got to deal with so many opinions. You got to deal with so many people's problems. You got to deal with so many people pouring their heart out to you. So it's like all day long, I'm getting like novels from people and just being human you want to try to read it like you want to read it you never know what somebody's sending you like somebody could be sending you something that's like a praise report that brings tears to your eyes somebody could be writing you and saying hey i see the work you're doing my i'm a billionaire and i want to give you a billion dollars to build tony gas's academy all around the country you know like so you so you got to read everything because you never know what God trying to get to you and through who and from where. But in that, it's a lot of negativity. A lot of people mad with me because of my message. I need to change this. I need to do this. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm this and that. So you got to read through all of that. I disagree and people want to argue and just at human nature, you hate to have confrontation disagreements you hate for people to misunderstand what you're saying nine out of ten times is somebody taking something i said out of context or they don't they clearly don't understand what i said or what i meant and that's what they're writing in about but they don't realize they are one person out of 3.5 million people and so out of this 3.5 million people that's with me on social media a lot of the people who write me don't realize that they're not the only person writing me or they don't care. So what happens, imagine 3.5 million people and 350,000 of those people send you a dissertation, a novel. It's, it, it makes it so hard that when you get the praise reports, I'm almost too drained. There's a young lady who sent a, a letter like a two or three page letter and I want to let you know I got it but I'm really I'm drained as I'm reading her letter where I could be cheering and just rejoicing with her I'm drained because of the amount of letters I have to read and everybody Tony can I send you my book so I literally get all of these books and my wife was like why do you keep letting people send you these books we got way too many books but as humans, humans think like, hey, this could be my chance. This could be my breakthrough. Like if I could talk to Tony, he could change my life. He could shout me out. He could put me on. He could interview me. He could let me go on tour with him. He could partner with me on a course. He could promote my book. And because and I may be someone that they could reach because they may say, well, I definitely know I can't reach Steve Harvey or Ayanna Van Zandt or Dr. Phil or T.D. Jakes or Joe Osteen or whoever it may be, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, whoever it may be out there that is really a, a giant in the space, people reach for where they feel they could reach. So if they see me come on and like I'm shooting from my cell phone, I'm recording this podcast from my cell phone on, on the Anchor app, 
with a $12 mic plugged into the phone, standing up in my wife's closet. Like, I'm not in a studio with a team, with a producer, with cameras. So I I present my brand, how my personality is, which is really chill and laid back. I'm very quiet. And so because I'm like that, people just assume, oh, I could reach Tony. Oh, I could talk to Tony. Oh, let me hit Tony up. And nine out of 10 people are coming to ask me for something to pull from me, not to deposit into me. And that is a, it's a heavy burden. I mean, it's a heavy blessing and a lot comes with it, you know? And so, but we don't think about that. So I try to be better about that myself. Like I went to a a boxing match and I was sitting behind Dave Chappelle and I respect his work as just like an artist. You know, it's not really my type of thing, but I I respect, you know, legends in their space. And I'm literally sitting right behind him. Do you know people came from rows and sections away to ask him for a picture? Person after person after person after person after person, like a hundred people throughout the course of the night. And I'm sitting right behind him. I remember one time he looked at me and he kind of like made a face, kind of like frown, like, who you think you will in? You sitting right here and you keep looking. I'm looking around. I see you sitting right here and you ain't asking me for no picture. Who you think you is? Because he probably was wondering like, why have you not asked me for a picture because every single person around me and people from all around the arena was coming up asking for a picture but i did not ask for a picture because i know what it feels like on a much smaller scale to be out with your family to be you know whatever and and people just say oh well you in that position you ought to love that you ought to appreciate that but that and i said the same thing I used to get so upset when celebrities, you know, would tell people they can't take a picture, tell people they can't sign something. I'm not at that point because I'm not a celebrity, but I am an online voice. I am a quote unquote influencer. So about everywhere I go, at least one person recognizes me anywhere I go, um, even when we're out of the country, because that's how social media works. And what happened is when my Facebook went viral, and it was really 2013 when it started 2014 it grew 2015 2016 it sustained during that time i was reaching 20 million people a week so 20 million accounts a week it could have been the same 20 million but i doubt it just because you reach different accounts based on people sharing stuff so it could have been up to 80 million or at least a minimum of 20 million so if we say it's the same 20 million which we know it's not because when you share it just different people seeing it so if we say it's 20 million that means in the course of a year my posts reach um 240 million you know accounts and if it's the same 20 million then that's 20 million But if you Google how many black people in America, um, you'll see like that's a good amount of I don't know how many black people in America. So it, it became this thing to where if you online and you're being retweeted by major celebrities who are all over the TV, then 
everybody who looks like you follows one of these people. And so my name started to spread organically, but not be like, but I didn't have a TV show or anything like that. I didn't have a book deal at the time. And so it just was like you building and you're not really seeing everything from it, but you feeling the, the pressure. And so my income went up. Remember I told you 150 it went up and it the next year it was 250 then 350 then 450 then 500 you know it was kind of around like a half a million a year and i wasn't doing a whole lot but it just when your stuff is going viral people are googling your name and so they're buying my books they're signing up for coaching they're coming to my live events one year i toured throughout the year and I remember the ticket sales when I checked said it was 330,000 in ticket sales, which, you know, at least probably 30 to 60,000 of that was expenses. So because I keep it real, you know, simple. My expenses were low. But so, you know, that add a couple hundred and then you get an endorsement deal like some type of campaign may add something here and there. So you could do another hundred, two hundred thousand like that but it's literally social media that's building the brand like when i got on twitter and started to build it was a lot of people it was comedians and radio people who their their brand was like over like it was done like they had been around long enough and they had done tv and they was like on the downside like going down and twitter revived everybody like twitter made me and it made everybody else who didn't have a brand before twitter like who didn't have a following before Twitter, but for the people who had a following from TV and had went down because you can't be on TV every week, you know, you might just be on like a coming to the stage or Apollo or a comedy thing that BET used to do with the new comics. And it's like, boom, you get this little flash in the pan, you get a little bit of pub from it, but it doesn't make you rich. But then you could do a little touring, you can make money from doing some shows, but without social media it was hard to people to be sustained and it was hard for people to grow organically so most people in my space use infomercials radio commercials stuff like that which costs money somebody had to get them some money or they had to make a lot of money and most people come from the sales industry door-to-door salesmen become number one in the country like jim Rohn, zig ziglar flip that money into doing cassette tapes DVDs, selling those, books, websites. And so social media revived a lot of careers. Like people that I saw on social media, I was like, oh man, he, he fell off. Next thing you know, social media turned him into a legit millionaire. Social media did that for me as well. It built me. I built my brand on social media, just showing up and posting my type of content every single day. And from that, other people started posting the same type of content as me. A lot of those people today that I won't say their name just because I don't want to pull up, you know, the names I said, those legitimate people who've been consistent in the space and they still here, they still doing their thing, even though, you know, we have shared some of the same messages. 
Um, and I can't say that they they stole it from me because wisdom come from God. So understand that. I'm not saying they stole it from me because wisdom come from God. And I had to be inspired somewhere, somehow. And so it's just some of it was blatant and some of it was probably like their producer or their assistant or manager getting it and not telling them. And they and they like giving a producer a raise like, ooh, this good. You made this up? And they're probably like, no, it's just some random. They could have said, yeah, I actually did. Or they said, oh, it's just some random quote offline. It's like it's author unknown. So it's it's cool. Like you, you're not going to have any copyright infringement things. And sure enough, I'm not going to take nobody to court. But um, so that's what happened. And what happened is it was younger guys who started they'll just they got the blueprint some of them came to me for mentorship i did dinner or lunch or meet up or letting them shadow me guys today guys who later fell off after making millions some guys still making millions and and then some guys never reached out to me because they were blatantly uh, fraudulent but just you know, some have been exposed since some still have are yet to be exposed, but blatantly fraudulent. And but they saw like, oh, this works like you can get online as a black man and give relationship advice. And white guys started doing it, too. But it's like when you do it from a genuine place, you could tell when somebody is a snake oil salesman. You can tell when somebody is just doing it for money. Like, it's okay to make money from it because you're dedicating so much time to it. You've got to figure out a way to turn it into a business. But when money is the only reason you're doing it, you can tell that when you're doing it genuine because you know what genu a genuine message and a genuine approach will look like. You know what it'll look like because it'll be fluid. It'll be fluid and it'll be based on real life. It'll... One day is love and relationships. Another day is a general talk, you know, like telling your life story. Another day you're talking about business because as a human, your heart is not always going to be on the same topic every single day because you live in real life. So you're going to share different things. And so that's how I started to kind of notice. And that's why I kept to myself. I didn't want to partner with anybody. I didn't want to tour with anybody. It was some guys that went on a tour and they reached out to me and you know, they asked me that I want to go on a tour with them. And I was the guy who put it together. I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I didn't talk to him directly. It was like an assistant emailing back. And it was like, no, unfortunately, Mr. Gaskins, you know, isn't in that space. He's doing his own tour right now. And I did that just because, and sure enough, somebody off that tour got exposed for cheating on his wife. And I thank God that I did not go because you could be guilty by association. And so I separated myself and God gave me wisdom, say, hey, run your race, do your thing. Don't worry about collaborating. Don't worry about teaming up with people because it's a lot of evil in this industry. It's a lot of people doing it for the wrong reason. So if you're going to, you know, you done slipped and fell as a human in your life time and time again, but you get up, you brush yourself off, you change, you do the right thing and you don't keep wallowing in the mud. But the same can't be said for everybody and you won't know you won't know right away who's wallowing in the mud and who isn't like women say how do i know if a man is serious you won't know 
it takes some time like it takes some time to find out and sometimes when you find out that a person is full of crap they've already hurt you like you you already had his child or you already you know been with him two three years and so the same thing when you do business partnerships like when somebody bumps their head and takes a stupid pill and they get exposed it could be five ten years twenty years into their brand and so i say you know what i'm just gonna fly alone to avoid that and just trust that god will carry my message and he'll carry theirs and we don't need to team up and over talk each other let's just both both everybody build their own thing and everybody have their own voice and let the people who are listening choose who they want to listen to in you know concert like if they want to listen to my message listen to this person's message they can choose that versus me stamping somebody not knowing who he or she really is behind closed doors i could stamp sheree gaskins and that's about it other than that i'm taking a huge risk so if i'm stamping somebody it's probably like an interview it's like a one-off type thing but not like carrying them up under my wing forever because you never know what somebody's gonna do and the next thing you know 2015 things my partner came to me we did a business deal and in this business deal this was a a seven-figure business deal between he and I um, in one of our companies and that kind of helped me go to the next level so my family was able to buy a house you know buy the house we're in today um, and just elevate my mind stretch my mindset go move to an even nicer neighborhood a bigger house more space more room um and at i can't remember how what age i was but uh, probably around 31 i think i was 31 so at 31 years old to be able to buy a six hundred thousand dollar house that was super super nice and really was worth 700 but we got a deal you know and at 31 and my wife being you know 29 that was huge for us you know being able to just kind of reap some rewards from the sacrifice you know me being able to get my wife a a g-wagon you know when she was there when we when my cars was breaking down and you know in the struggle me being able to bless her and having shown myself and shown god and shown my wife that i could be faithful that i could be a faithful man in marriage after being a dog after being a womanizer all before i met my wife and then having struggles in our first couple years of marriage and having wandering eyes and wanting to you know prepare myself to be like people i saw around me you know i thought about cheating and having ongoing affairs and all those things cross your mind the devil gonna try you with your weaknesses that you have had in the past things you've overcome things that you're working working on getting beyond and so to be able to show and now even today the test getting different 
it's you know it's getting different and i'm talking to my wife about it i'm showing her because that's accountability for me and verse just kind of going through it all alone and so here it was you know um life changed there and in 2015 it was it was amazing because at that point in my life this is what i did like i was faithful to my wife you know sexually and one of the things that men struggle with is either pornography or masturbation i never struggled with pornography but when it comes to masturbation it still can steal your mind because your mind may drift your mind may go somewhere and so being promiscuous throughout my life i had been in that area to where masturbation it was like in your head it's like oh it's safer this is a safer of the sins like this you may lust in your mind but you're not going to get anybody pregnant you're not going to catch a std you're not going to end up on a blog for cheating but yet you're still indulging in this mental sin and so i had gone through that in in my life and in my marriage and it was something that it was in my closet it was something that you know it, it's not something my wife and i talked about or anything like that i wasn't in a, in a group but god put on my heart tony we need another you need another level of sacrifice like you got to be pure in the dark you got to be pure when you're in that bathroom by yourself and your wife's sleeping you got to be pure and you can't be letting your mind go other places because if a man lusts in his heart he's already committed adultery so i made a commitment that i was gonna let go even of masturbation and even though for me it wasn't like an addiction like something every day it'll be like when my wife monthly comes something like that would be an excuse like oh man i want my little something won't need my little release and my wife monthly on and stuff like that so what i would take and do is i took and um just started picturing literally that god was with me at all times and this is a lesson for people because one of my dreams i was like i want to be a life coach for an nba team because i had been speaking to the nba rookies from 2010 so 2010 2011 was a lockout then i spoke to the 2012 class that was like my best speech ever 2013 class 2014 class 2015 class so i had spoke 10 11 12 13 14 15 six years i had been working with the nba but i wanted more impact i wanted to be more influential in that space and i had been praying that prayer i had asked players do y'all have a life coach and they were like no we don't got a life coach we don't think they care that much we don't think they'll ever do that and then i a gm started following me one day of an nba team i messaged him say hey would love to help the team say well tony what do you do i'm like i'm like a mentor and so he had the assistant gm call me and said, tony what do you do and i tried to put it into words he said we're gonna fly you out they flew me out three times whole another state then they said we got to get you on full time we got to get you on like long term they signed me to a three-year deal nice uh, monthly consultant fee which is you know a full-time living is what i was being paid but at that time in my brand it was only about 10 percent of my annual income even though it was full-time like type of money you would make 
you know, with a college degree or like a master's degree. But I didn't even have a college degree. So it was God. God, like what I had said, what I had spoke, it came, it happened. I can't honestly say it's God. It's like sometimes we speak things into existence on our own because the experience, you know, it was bittersweet. I made a lot of mistakes. I, I dropped the ball. I messed up. I, I just wasn't prepared for it because it had never been done. There was no blueprint for being a life coach on an NBA team. And I was 31 years old. So here I am, 31 years old, and it's like I get signed by an NBA team for the first time in the NBA history. They hire a life coach that has never played in the NBA or even college basketball and a life coach with no college degree. So it was unheard of. So the contract said that I couldn't tell anybody. That's why I'm not saying the team name because it said I couldn't tell anybody, not even at a family barbecue, because what they were doing was unheard of. And, you know, I dropped the ball, but I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know how to dress the part. I didn't know how to look the part, act the part. I just was flying by the seat of my pants. And it was a really cool experience, but it also was very draining and traumatizing because I'm dealing with different type of demons. I'm dealing with different type of spirits. And so you're dealing with spirits of multimillionaires, young guys who not even 30 making you know tens of millions a year imagine the level of spiritual warfare these people under and then they coming to me and they talking to me two hours to four hours at a time so I'm taking all that on and I really didn't have a prayer life I really wasn't in my word like I should have been or I was in my word but I really I just wasn't equipped and it was hard so after the first year, I didn't do the whole three years. The coach got fired. And so they were like, Tony, we're going to, you know, this our opportunity to part ways because I had asked, could I leave halfway through the season? And so they let me go in the sense of, you know, the coach was leaving and I had already asked to leave and they, and they asked me to stay on to the end of the year. And so I did that and I was able to part ways come back home full time because every week I was leaving to go out there and then from there 2016 I toured that was 2015 2016 season ended you know early April or whatever April May 2016 then I toured the rest of that year 2017 same thing just touring speaking 18 19 got on got on YouTube again in 2019, started building. Nothing crazy, you know, happening, just kind of maintaining, just maintaining, you know, around a few hundred thousand to a half a million a year that I'm paying myself in the work that I'm doing. So it's still a good living, but at that time, but just not really, still kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And then it was 2019 that God put on my heart. Tony, um, need to be home more. And I started to feel a tug on being home more. My son growing, getting older, my oldest. And I want to be home more or less on the road. And I was doing so much producing on the road, these events, and it really wasn't yielding a lot. A lot of times you breaking even or you losing money. So it's really just for a look because it is not really profitable 
uh, after a while, after you've done, done the circuit a couple times, it's really not profitable. Everybody that want to see you have seen you. And, you know, people got their own stuff they want to do. And so with their money, not just make you a living. And so I started doing more courses. And one thing I didn't do is I didn't like to promote myself. I never liked making a big deal of myself just because I always have in my mind thought about how other people will feel. Because I know the, the normal disposition of people is misery. And so I don't like to show a lot because I don't want anybody to feel miserable to the point that they are suicidal or depressed or because I know how comparison is a thief of joy and most people can't help but to compare. So I try not to give too much for people to compare to. And I, you know, I was convicted about that later because God kind of put in my heart that, look, Tony, you can share your testimony and your story without bragging. And without, you know, putting other people down in the process of showing what has been done for you. And so in that, in 2019, I started doing YouTube more and building there. And with that, I was able to promote my courses more. So in 2019 or 2020, my courses really, I, I grew from like 9,000 students to going on 40,000 students, you know, over 30,000 students just by doing videos more regularly and mentioning the academy and then, you know, doing Q&As on Instagram. My wife showed me the Q&A thing that I that y'all see me do on Instagram almost daily right now until I get drained and need to take a break. But my wife showed that to me, you know. My wife mentioned my book. Oh, 2017, I signed a book deal with Simon & Schuster. And that was two book deal, make it work. It was a six figure book deal, you know, so meaning over a hundred thousand. And it was two books and you get paid in four different payments. So it's not like they just drop, you know, a hundred K plus in your lap at once. And you write the two books and you, you know, they spaced out between a year. I write books in about five or six days to God be the glory. So it's not a hard thing for me. But those two books on Amazon, you'll, you go on Amazon, you see them, they're doing very well. Um, they're selling very well considering that I didn't do any major media for them, any major pushes. The other one came out in the pandemic. And so that's been a blessing. And in the pandemic, I will tell you, God took my businesses up over 300 percent um or maybe 400 percent yeah god took my businesses up over 300 percent and at first people thought oh it's just a pandemic everybody home but then the next year after 2021 god still been moving and blessing the same way and so it showed me no this just uh, this is the next level that god has ushered my family and i into and but he's given us time to be mentally and emotionally and spiritually prepared. And so today, God has blessed us to earn seven figures and I don't have to leave home. I'm able to stay home with my wife and my kids. I only travel when I want to. I don't have to do interviews unless I want to. I don't have to do one on one coaching just between you know, online courses and residual income from companies that I've created and 
business and investments and just and and uh, YouTube is a blessing now too for those of you who are in the YouTube course. That's a that's still a that's a nice blessing from that. So hey, that's my story. I'm gonna finish on time, fortunately, because this cuts off in 20 seconds. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And after this, back to the regular regular scheduled programming. We'll talk soon.